Okay, good luck. We are doing now the Tanya of Shabbos and of Sunday. And we began on Shabbos a new letter, letter 26, which in a sense thematically flows from the previous letter because there we were discussing how the divine presence can be vested in the powers of evil, in the klipos. And in this letter we're also bringing out the idea of how Tyra can be in a state of concealment as the klipos, as the spiritual forces of evil can obscure the shine, the radiance of Tyra. And as the Jew studies and toils in Tyra, they remove this concealment of the klipos, of the barriers of evil. So beginning this letter, we begin with a very long quotation from a piece of Zohar, from the Raya Mehemna, which begins stating that with this work of yours, with the Zohar, which is the radiance of the supernal mother, the divine attribute of understanding on the highest world, the world of Atsilas, the world of emanation. This divine attribute relates to the highest tshuva, the highest return to God. So for people that study this, they won't be tested before the final redemption. Meaning, the Zohar previously stated that at the time of the final redemption, the Jewish people will be put to the test. Those who belong to the good side of the universe will withstand it. And those who belong to the other side, the side of evil, won't. But now we're saying that those who study the tree of life, the Zohar, which is from this divine attribute of Bina, of understanding of the highest spiritual world of Atsilas, the world of emanation, they won't even be put to the test. And eventually the Jewish people will all taste the tree of life, the Zohar, and with that they will go out of exile with mercy. What about the other tree? In other words, this is relating to initially in the Garden of Eden, there were those two trees, the tree of knowledge of good of evil, what Adam and Chava ate from, and the tree of life that they were removed from the garden to not eat from. So Zohar here is saying that the book of Zohar, the book of esoteric wisdom of Kabbalah, that's the tree of life. And those that eat from that, they're good, they're safe, they're beyond but the other parts of Torah connect not to the tree of life, but to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's all the laws, what's prohibited, what's permitted, what's impure, what's pure. So people that are learning from the tree of life, where we don't have any of these problematic queries, we don't have any questions, good or evil, it's just straight godliness. There, everything's going to be by the time of the Mashiach, by the time of the redemption, they're going to be on top, the spirit of impurity will be removed. At that time, by the redemption, the Torah scholars will not be sustained by the illiterate people, only from the side of good. They won't be sustained by the Erevrav, by the mixed multitude. But now, before the redemption, the Zohar continues, when the tree of knowledge of good and evil dominates the world, these sages who are like the Sabbath, the Shabbos, and the festival, they don't have anything of their own. They only have what's given to them by these unsanctified ones. Just like the day of Shabbos, it only has what was prepared for it on the weekday. So nowadays, it's as if those that study from the tree of life are like these scholars that don't have anything and are dependent on the illiterate, on the masses that are in the level of the tree of good and evil. And by Mashiach, these scholars that are tasting the esoteric wisdom, the tree of life, oh, all will be good for them. But the people that are 
not on that level, these illiterate people, then they won't have anything. And from these illiterate people, the prohibited, the permitted, the impure, the pure, it won't be removed from them. And for them, there really won't be much difference between exile and the days of the redemption, except we won't be under the servitude to the nations of the world. Why, for these people, won't we see a difference? Because they haven't tasted the tree of life. And therefore, they're still going to need all the Torah, all the Mishnah, all the legal laws of what's prohibited, what's permitted, what's impure, and what's pure. So that whole quotation was a portion of Shabbos. On Sunday, we begin questioning this portion, and the questions take more than one day, because we have many, many questions on this, which leads us to understand that we really didn't understand it at all. So the Rebbe continues with Sunday's portion, saying, it seems to be saying that studying the laws, prohibited, permissive, all the laws, relates to the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but that that's very surprising. How can we say that, we're talking here about Tyra, the laws are part of Tyra. How can we say that a part of Tyra is on the level of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, because we know that the tree of knowledge and good and evil is on the spiritual level of Klippas Neige. Klippas Neige is an admixture of good and evil. The tree of life is pure godliness. Tyra is pure godliness. So every aspect of Tyra should be considered the tree of life. In other words, the Zohar seems to be saying that if you study Zohar, if you study Kabbalah, the esoteric wisdom, oh, you're good, you're safe, you're involved in the tree of life, in pure purity and godliness, which is true. But the part that doesn't seem to jive is they're implying, and if you're just learning the other part, and you're not learning the esoteric dimension, you're not learning Kabbalah, you're just learning the laws in the Talmud, in the Mishnah, in Jewish laws, well, that's from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's not from the tree of life. So the tree of life is pure godliness. The tree of knowledge of good and evil is Klippas Naiga. It's a mixture of godliness and evil. So how can we say any part of Tyra is from this mixture of good and evil? Isn't all Tyra pure godliness? And the Rebbe says, this contradicts what our sages say. That's very clearly written in Tyra and explained in the sages. This is a quote here from Mishlei, from a verse of Tanakh. The Torah is a tree of life to those who hold fast to it. Not just the Zohar is a tree of life to those who hold fast to it. All Torah is the tree of life. And third point, this seems even more perplexing because most people don't know the Zohar. The whole wisdom of Kabbalah was hidden. Only a few, few Torah scholars knew Kabbalah. And those that knew it studied in a very concealed manner. Only in the later generations, by the time of Rabbi Yitzchak Luria, did we, the Arizal, then was it permitted and obligated to reveal the esoteric dimension of Torah. So, we're talking about maybe 450 years ago? So until that time, not just the ignorant Jews, all Jews, even most Torah scholars, did not know Kabbalah. It was hidden from them. So how could we possibly say that these sincere, righteous people who were learning Torah day and night, but weren't learning Kabbalah, they didn't know of Kabbalah, it wasn't revealed to them, oh no, they're just on the level of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they're just on the level of Klippas Naiga, this admixture of good and evil, they're not going to make it to the real godliness. How could we say that? 
also, if we, fourth point, if we're taking that we're understanding this piece of Zohar correctly, and only Zohar and Kabbalah is the tree of life, and all the revealed aspects of Torah, all the laws of Torah are just on the level of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, then we would think that study of these laws, study of prohibition, study of permission, for sure study of the civil laws of Torah, meaning like money issues, there's a lot of litigation on money matters in the Mishnah and in the Talmud. So we would think that since this is all coming from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is a spiritual level of klipas noiga, this admixture of good and evil, we would think this surely does not override the obligation of prayer, because prayer is established with Kabbalistic intent. Prayer causes supernal unions of various divine names and divine attributes. So we would think, if the Zayar is saying that only the esoteric dimension of Tyre is the tree of life, and all the laws are the tree of knowledge, so we would think that study of the laws has to be put aside to pray, because prayer is esoteric. Prayer is on a much higher spiritual level. But we see that's not the case. That when the sages would be learning, we're talking here about sages that all day, all they would do was learn, and all night as well, they didn't interrupt their Torah study for prayer. And even sages that were just studying civil laws, like sages that were just studying all the laws of litigating money matters according to Torah. So here, you're learning about money matters, like the most mundane part of Torah, which definitely would be very low in the totem pole of this Torah in the tree of knowledge. So that's far lower spiritually than prayer. And yet we see the sages kept learning money matters according to Torah and didn't stop to pray. It quotes here a specific great sage, Rav Yehuda, who prayed once in 30 days when he was reviewing his studies. So how could how could this be? I mean, just on the side, how how could this be? How could these sages pray so little? Prayer, we said, causes unions of divine names, of divine attributes. How how could these great sages not only pray once in 30 days? But basically, the point is, they were so godly that their Torah study caused the same spiritual results that, for the rest of us, we can only achieve during prayer. So since they were studying day and night Torah, they achieved what we need to pray to achieve. But in our perspective here, the point is, if the study of laws is only from the tree of knowledge, how could we have that supersede prayer, which is Kabbalistic? So something's funny here. And we see this very clearly in the Talmud Yerushalmi, Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai says, that even to read the Shema, which is a biblical commandment, you can interrupt the study of Scripture, but not of Mishnah, not of the Oral Torah, not of the laws. Because from this perspective, it seems that Rav Shemarichai is implying that the study of the laws of Mishnah, the Oral Torah, is even greater than Scripture. And he didn't say which Mishnah you're studying that you can't interrupt, even to say the Shema. Meaning, any Mishnah. We don't care what the Mishnah is dealing with. It could be dealing with very holy things. It could be dealing with very mundane things. But learning those laws of Torah about these mundane matters, like we said before, about money matters, about argumentation between people over ownership, over lost items, over damaged items, all of that supersedes this biblical commandment to say the Shema. Also, Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai himself spent much time 
studying the laws, the oral Torah. Here's Rabbi Shemar Yochai, the author of the Zohar. But even in the cave, meaning, obviously, he wasn't doing legal uh, cases in the cave. He obviously wasn't solving people's civil suits in the cave. But in the cave, he was there for 13 years, he was studying day and night the oral law, the laws. How do we know this? This is very simply. How long could it take him to complete the whole Zohar and Tikkun Zohar? Three months. He didn't say anything twice. So what did he do for the rest of the 13 years? He was studying Mishnah. There were 600 orders of the Mishnah in the time of Rav Shema Bar Yochai. And for 13 years, day and night, all he did was study those Mishnah. So that means he thought it was quite holy. And yet he's writing in the Zohar, oh, well, these people that only learn from the tree. Well, how, do I, how do I reconcile that? And also, final point of Sunday, our sages taught that since the destruction of the temple, the Holy One is found, God is found in the four cubits of study of Torah law. That's our temple today. So how could we possibly say, as this passage from the Zohar seems to imply, that the study of the laws, what's ritually permissible and prohibited, is designated as a tree of knowledge of good and evil, which means it relates to Klippas Naiga, which relates to this admixture of good and evil that doesn't fit with any of the things we just said today. And we're going to continue tomorrow with more proofs that we have to go more deeply to understand what the Zohar is saying, because if we look at it superficially, that the study of Torah law is a level of the tree of knowledge, is a level of Klippas Naiga, this admixture of good and evil, it just doesn't jive with everything else we know that shows how godly and holy it is to study the Torah law.